nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you for returning to this Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse segment. I am your host, Leanne Meyer, and uh, today our show is Nursing Perception. How does it impact care? And I will be reflecting on um, some of the uh, long-held perceptions that I had over the years and how that impacted my nursing care, sometimes negatively, sometimes positively. And... um, so I want to talk about that a little bit more. In, uh, in the past segments, we have touched on the concept of perception, um, but I'd like to see how um, how does the perception we embrace as nurses play out in the care we deliver? And so that's what I want to go into today. Um, I once heard that reality is our perception of reality. I remember that so distinctly because at the at the time, I viewed reality as a fact. Reality just was. Anyone who did not see it my way was clearly mistaken. The more firmly that that the perception was believed, the more difficult it was to shake it, even with indisputable facts, proof, and expert testimony. The next thing I heard was that we can choose our perception of reality. Now those were fighting words. I spent years mulling this concept over before I could really embrace it. Once I embraced it, my perception of reality changed. It opened up, became fresher, newer. It was more about possibility, and it became very exciting to interact with other people and see how their perception was different from mine. And lo and behold, my outcomes with patients changed too. I found that the more open I was to them, the more open they were to listening to me. A few segments ago, we looked at perception um, with the use of optical illusions, pictures that appear to us as one thing, but on further uh, examination are actually two or more things simultaneously. The most commonly experienced is probably the picture of the old woman that if looked at differently is also a young woman. I use this tool regularly in my RN Refresher class to help individuals experience the concept that things are not always black and white and that our our perception is not always the only correct one. In fact, there can be many correct perceptions. I thought today that we could look at perception and outcome of our nursing care from several different perspectives. I thought we, for, for my, um, the experiences that I had, I wanted to look at race, data, compassion, and economics. So starting with race, I grew up in a, in a small town in central Minnesota. My concept of race was mostly theoretical. I remember reading the book Black Like Me when I was a teenager in, in high school, and it was a major eye-opener for me. As I recall, it was about a white man who changes his skin color to black to experience race relations in the South from an African-American 
perception. As an adult moving from Minnesota to to Denver, my experience became more immediate and personal in interactions with race on a daily basis. My patients came from a wide variety of races, countries of origin, and cultural backgrounds. I also worked with people from a wide variety of places, some of them I'd never even heard of before, and found that I had to change, well, I think to a large extent there was some fear involved in it, something I didn't know. Um, I felt insecure about interacting with them and feeling like um, I would be safe. So um, what I found was that I continued to experience them from my white viewpoint, and that was sometimes uh, a difficulty for me. I was forced to challenge some of my long-held perceptions uh, from that experience, and even as I came back to Minnesota a couple of years later. So one period of my life that challenged challenged my perceptions was in the 80s when there was a large influx of Hmong immigrants to Minnesota. At that time, I was working in St. Paul in obstetrics. Many Hmong were trying to adapt to a medical system that was very incomprehensible to them. They learned about an important document called the birth certificate and uh, found out that that was something that they they needed for their children uh, from birth uh, all the way to death. And so it it became something that they made sure that they got to the hospital in time to get that birth certificate. Sometimes that meant they were arriving uh, fully dilated and ready to deliver imminently. Um, Often they didn't have any prenatal uh, care. We had no idea if they had seen a doctor or if there were any problems with their pregnancy. And so we were in a, a situation of needing to deliver a baby very quickly, not knowing if there was a doctor we could call, etc. So there was a lot of um, uh, insecurity and fear uh, on our part. I can only imagine how much fear on their part coming into such an environment. So in Vietnam, midwives, mothers, experienced neighbors delivered babies at home. And to me, their culture and practices were foreign, read that inexplicable. And I thought they were based on myth rather than science. And so I tended to discount um, what I did start to understand about them. One woman with high blood pressure and a boggy and bleeding uterus and minimal English kept requesting salt. I started out patiently trying to explain that salt intake was not good for her. I became impatient, frustrated, and domineering the more she pushed me for that salt. Finally, when I was worn out and downright angry with her, I brought her a salt shaker, slammed it on her overbed tray, and walked away. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her put that salt on her hand and rub it on her uterus to make it firm up and stop her bleeding. I came back to the bed feeling pretty small and apologized to her profusely. From what, from that moment with her, I tried to listen more closely and understand what she was trying to explain to me. Uh, it was a particularly difficult time because there were no uh, people easily able to, to uh, be contacted to translate. And so... Oftentimes it was pantomime or um, uh, charades or something like that, trying to get messages across to um, these people. Sometimes they would have 
other children, maybe um, uh, 10 or 11, 12, uh, 12-year-old children who had picked up English along the way better than than the parents had. So we find, found ourselves trying to teach mothers through their perhaps 10-year-old boys, um, having no idea what it was that they were translating to their mother. Um, I wish I could say, you know, and I think that uh, I'd like to say that that lesson stayed with me uh, into the future, but unfortunately I think I was pretty hard-headed and also feeling um, busy, stressed, pushed, you know, whatever frustrations that were going on in those days. Um, My next encounter with a Hmong mother was walking into a newly delivered mother's room to find her washing her naked baby with her ice water. I had a fit, literally. I grabbed her baby from her, wrapped her in a blanket, and whisked him back to the safety of the warm nursery. Uh, Through much judgmental outcries to whomever would listen to me, I wondered aloud if she was truly capable of taking care of her baby um, at home by herself. Uh, Finally, I was able to talk to a woman, uh, a nurse who had worked in Vietnam and had occasionally helped mothers in their mountain villages. And she explained uh, that in a pretty hazardous environment, healthy children were extremely important. Um, A nine-month pregnancy and then one to four years of dependency uh, of that child was a huge risk to a farming family. If the baby was too weak to survive, it could bring down the productivity and even survival of the whole family. So it was her perception that some village cultures encouraged bathing the newborn in the cold mountain springs within days of delivery. If the baby survived, it was likely to be an asset to the family. If it sickened and died, she could become pregnant again with the hope of stronger baby. I have no proof that this nurse's information was in any way accurate, but while I had a bit more understanding of the mother's motive, I continued to judge this type of behavior as ignorant and backward. It would be years before I read uh, a book called The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down. This book Uh, which described from the Hmong perspective the experience of interacting with a strange and often incomprehensible Western way of medicine. Uh, It it, um, was an eye-opener again for me. It described how these patients would accept some aspects of the system, quote-unquote, and incorporate their own understanding of medicine and health from what they brought with them, and they probably would come out of it with varying results. Uh, I remember being physically sick while I was reading this book and realizing how many times and how many ways I had disrespected these Hmong mothers while feeling smug and superior. Over the years, when I could truly listen to those from other cultures, I was amazed at the wisdom of time-honored treatments. How surprising that some of these things had lasted for thousands of years. Um, certainly makes a lot of sense, but not something that I was uh, previously able to incorporate into my view, worldview of medicine. So um, I think this might be a good time to take a break. And so I am going to do that. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and I am Leanne Meyer. If you're just joining us right now, today's topic is nursing perception and how does it impact the nursing care that we give. I have been reminiscing 
on how uh, various perceptions during my nursing practice impacted the care I was giving. We just talked about race. Uh, Thank you for tuning uh, us in again, and please stay tuned for more conversation on this topic. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hello, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, uh, as my friend said, and I am Leanne Meyer, the host today. Um, I have been uh, looking today at uh, our topic, nursing perception, how does it impact care? I want to thank you for rejoining us, Uh, and if you're just coming into the conversation, I hope it will be clear uh, what we have uh, been talking about. I'd like to encourage you to call in and share your experiences with perceptions that you have had and how it has impacted your uh, care. As she mentioned before, the caller call-in number is 1-866-472-5792. So we're going to pick up where we left off. I was talking about um, the perception of race and talked a little bit about what little experience I had with people from different races. And so therefore, it was a big learning curve for me. Uh, The second thing I'd like to talk about today is data. This subject is one that I've had a lot of change in my thinking and practice uh, about or regarding. 
I started out in a hospital nursing school where we had a pretty thorough combination of theory uh, through the University of Minnesota, which I attended, and practice through a fairly extensive on-the-floor experience. Somehow, I was always very fortunate to learn in class in the morning certain uh, disease processes and various different things, and then have those patients or have patients with those exact issues in the afternoon or as an aide in the evening and on weekends. So for me, it was, a, uh, I suppose, a kinesthetic way of learning and deepened my uh, comprehension and memory of those um, disease processes. My personal talents uh, lie more in the human-to-human aspects of nursing. Uh, the data and number aspects came to me with great difficulty and over much time and effort. At some point in my career, as the professional aspects of nursing were being stressed more and more, research was being introduced more and more. When that research supported my personal experience with patients in that area, I was accepting of the changes that were described as being needed in practice. However, when my anecdotal experience clashed with the research, I balked at wanting to change practice that I thought was just fine. One area that comes firmly to mind was uh, when sudden infant death syndrome, or some people now call it SIDS, uh, was being studied. I had actually, as um, a young girl, 12, had taken care of a baby that died of SIDS. Um, as I was um, a babysitter. And so I had very strong feelings about this and how devastating that it could be to a family. So from nursing school on into most of my career in OB and newborn nursing, we were strongly taught to put babies on their tummies to sleep, that this was the safest way for a baby to sleep. I remember very strongly instructing mothers to do this as the modern wisdom on protecting baby's sleep health. I can remember chastising them if I would come into the room and the baby was on its back or even on its side. The idea was that babies on their backs were like turtles, helpless and open to inhaling milk when they spit up in their sleep or even if they had a burp. My experience also supported that belief. Um, I had seen babies who had spit up in, in their sleep, wiggled themselves away from the mess, and I thought that was incredible that they were able to do that. I also saw them comfort themselves by wiggling uh, until they could wedge their head into a corner of a bassinet before being able to fall asleep. And I realized that they were actually mimicking the feelings they had with their head against the mother's pelvis from utero. So I thought that was pretty smart and that they were very uh, self, um, more more uh, uh, able to take care of themselves than I would have ever dreamed that a newborn could do. And so I felt if the babies were on their backs, they would be less able to uh, take care of themselves that way. So we received pushback mostly from immigrant mothers who had always been taught to place their babies on their back. Well, I made sure those mothers knew just how much danger their babies were in because of these backward ideas. So you can imagine how, how well they, they received my teaching. Um, I was reluctant, defiant, and pretty resistant when the studies began to pour in on the fact that it was putting infants on their tummies that was causing this rash of infant deaths. 
When I finally was willing to accept the data, I felt devastated that I may have caused some of those deaths because of my arrogant education to these new mothers. Slowly, I began to pay attention to the data coming in from research studies and changed my nursing practice accordingly. I consulted with lots of other people along the way to make sure that as changes were happening that I was uh, as up-to-date as possible on uh, what, what that research was telling us. Uh, it did not come quickly or easily to me. I really struggled with it. This session of my RN refresher course this fall, I had a nurse who had started his own uh, a business of his own to improve the use of data by nurses on the hospital units in real time. This had never really occurred to me. I saw it as something you did on your off time, study the uh, journals and different things like that. But to be um, in real time on a unit as you were dealing with a patient, to be looking at the research, um, I, I didn't even consider that. So this nurse was able to make a trem- help me make tremendous sense of how and why we must as nurses be involved uh, in using the research being developed to improve our nursing care in real time on the unit every day. That was another really strong reawakening for me. Um, the next area I'd like to talk about is around the area of compassion. And what is more um, important and stressed than empathy and compassion? Um, They're simply accepted as nursing skills. It is drilled into every nurse from day one. I was fortunate to have those skills already embedded in my personality core and uh, so believed firmly that the only good nurse was someone just like me. And to a large extent, there's a lot of truth in that. It is also the personality profile of most people who are attracted to medical professions. However, my insistence on that perspective and only that perspective caused me to disrespect nurses whose true talents lay more away from the uh, patients or if at the, um, (coughs) excuse me, if at the bedside, then um, focused on uh, more data uh, from the labs, the x-rays, test results, and far more extensively than I did. I embraced nurses who were as compassionate and empathetic as I am and put some distance between myself and the nurses who are constantly looking for the what, where, when, and why of nursing care. My perception on this has changed significantly since teaching this RN Refresher course. I have been encountering nurses of very different skills and abilities to mine. Nurses who learned, who leaned toward research or patient care that was less hands-on, like perhaps nurse anesthetists. Uh, One such nurse told me she specifically went into that field because she really wasn't touchy-feely and preferred her patients to be asleep. She was constantly quoting research she was following on various topics of interest to her, but my perception was that she was less of a nurse for that viewpoint. That is until I saw her in action in many C-sections in which things went very wrong. She was never flustered or frightened. Her mind went immediately to the data she was seeing 
and the knowledge she had to quickly turn a possibly fatal situation into a, a routine and successful outcome. It was then that I began to appreciate that she was in exactly the right area of nursing for her abilities and skills. I had another nurse um, who came across uh, in the course uh, as, or I should say, he came across as coarse and disdainful of all that that compassion and empathy. Uh, Just about any time it came up in class, she would sort of, Um, snicker or, uh, you know, have a deep sigh or something like that, indicating that she didn't see um, the value of that, especially not from her, for for her. Um, My perception of her from the very first interaction was that she was difficult, antisocial, harsh, but as time went on, I really became uh, clear about how knowledgeable and how skilled she was. And I think I unconsciously held her at a bit of a distance. It was hard for me to understand her. Um, She described a situation in her intensive care unit in which a patient was slowly but steadily what she called circling the drain, her words. Um, Every other nurse was in that room holding the patient's hand, comforting the family, and basically uh, going along that, that track that, that this person was going to die and it was inevitable. Um, This nurse, on the other hand, was madly researching. She contacted experts. She was consulting with the doctors and continuing to research even on her off work time. Uh, I had to, to realize that that was pretty impressive. She clearly was very dedicated to her patients, but she was looking to see how she, with her knowledge and experience and background, was going to be able to change that situation. She described herself as someone who would never be holding anyone's hand, but would be that person in the background refusing to give up until there was no possible hope or remedy. It occurred to me that if I was uh, the patient in that situation, um, she's probably the nurse that I would want to have on my side. A huge change of perspective on my part. So I had many, many experiences like that where um, I began to realize that certainly having compassion and having empathy was a good thing to have, but that uh, being a true professional nurse required much more and uh, began to ask that, that of myself as I went forward. But again, it wasn't easy for me. Those compassionate, empathetic responses uh, were, were just second nature to me. But thinking more about what can I do to stop this trend going forward was something I had to learn, and I really had to learn it from people like this particular nurse. Um, we're going to, uh, I think I'm going to touch into some of the economic aspects of um, nursing. Um, uh, so uh, we've talked about uh, race, we've talked about data, we've talked about compassion, and some of the ways that I saw those, the perspectives that I had, um, positive or negative, definitely impacting the care I was giving. So with economics, we come back to a truly uh, difficult and intricate topic that could consume many shows. And I think I may probably visit this topic again 
in different ways. So today, um, I want to share a couple of personal experiences or stories with patients, which I had um, very different perceptions. So I guess I think in terms of economics from a conservative or perhaps a more liberal point of view, the conservative point of view being about saving money, um, maybe encouraging uh, the person to be um, taking care of themselves, um, looking out for uh, taking care of issues before they get to be bigger issues. So um, personally, I grew up with a strong work ethic in my German-Irish ancestry. People did not depend on the charity of others uh, and kind of felt ashamed if they had to accept charity. Uh, You worked hard. You made progress yourself with the help of friends and relatives, and then you gave assistance back to them whenever possible. This created a cycle of personal responsibility paired with compassion and service to others, and I think created a feeling in that community of pride, of uh, uh, personal effort, and also um, looking out for other people in the community, but probably more the people that were directly around us. So um, I think as I look at the time, I'm thinking maybe this would be a better time for us to take a break, and then I'll go into some of the experiences that I have had personally. So um, let's see here. Let's, um, Let's go to the break here. We have been talking again about race, data, and compassion for the standpoint of perceptions. And um, I will be looking forward to coming back from the break and continuing this topic. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back from the break. And this is the Nursing Perception, How Does It Impact Care segment of Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Um, I've been talking, as, as I've mentioned, about race, data, and compassion from that standpoint of how my perceptions influence my nursing care. I really would like you to encourage you to uh, be brave, those of you who are listening uh, right now, and uh, feel free to call in and ask any questions you might have offer comments or suggestions of how your perceptions have affected nursing care that you have given. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. We are talking about economics and I introduced that concept that I look at economics from being conservative uh, to being more liberal. And from the conservative point of view, I guess looking at how do we decrease costs and how do we encourage people to more take care of themselves? And um, this certainly is something that anybody can you know, realize that in this uh, era of rising costs or exponentially rising costs, we do need to do this uh, on all levels of healthcare. So uh, my own experience was in growing up was probably a little bit more toward the conservative side. Um, I talked about the fact that um, I came from a strong work ethic, and um, what we look to do is create a cycle of personal personal responsibility paired with compassion and service to others, usually those that we knew and were uh, immediately around us. Um, I was not prepared, uh, even after several years of being a nurse uh, and working in obstetrics, I was in, in charge of labor and delivery and also postpartum. And uh, I really was not prepared for a 15-year-old girl who came in six months pregnant. I will call her June, uh, who presented to my unit through the emergency room after um, an ambulance ride to the hospital. And she was followed by family members in several Cadillacs. 
Now, that information was supplied by the ER nurses through the Hospital Gossip Grapevine. Um, Excellent example of how that kind of information is really not particularly helpful uh, in giving um, independent care and um, uh, uh, appreciating the individual. Um, So June thought she was having contractions and had no other means of transportation. She was frightened, and she called the ambulance. Uh, It turned out she was not having contractions, but she was having some mild uh, blood pressure elevations that, uh, as we observed her, we felt were safe enough for her to be able to go home uh, with her relatives. There was much derogatory discussion that went on at the nurse's station regarding the travesty of using uh, an ambulance instead of a bus or taxi. Uh, This woman was on state assistance, and the bill would be paid for by all of us, the taxpayers. And uh, we carried that on even long after she had left, uh, just really strongly feeling that this was um, not something she should do. I don't know how much any of us really took into consideration that she was 15, pretty immature, didn't know what to do, and that was something she had seen either on television or maybe other people that she knew had done that, and so it seemed like a perfectly logical uh, way for her to get to the hospital. Uh, I won't go into details, but suffice it to say that June returned to our unit several more times for various reasons, but eventually she ended up on bed rest and hydration during her last three weeks of pregnancy, mainly due to that increasing blood pressure that she had, and she stayed in a private room. Um, I was often her nurse, and so I decided to take a special interest in her. Uh, I spent a lot of time with her teaching self-care, pregnancy, and baby care. And um, I think while I try to be um, uh, not judgmental, I think my, my perception, again, did come through pretty clearly and particularly when we had an opportunity to talk a little bit about economics and economics of poverty and how to escape it. Um, I had some very strong uh, suggestions for her, advice for her. Uh, She, you know, she was 15. She kind of listened to whatever I had to say and didn't necessarily uh, push back. So I took it to mean that she was accepting everything I was saying. I pretty much implored her not to have another baby until she was financially stable. Um, she sort of agreed with me at the time, and I think, again, that was kind of easier to say yes to me than anything else. Um, and then after her somewhat difficult delivery, she swore to me she was never coming back. Kind of famous last words. So within a year, she was back, and I was shocked, and I told her so. Um, She assured me that she had it all taken care of, that with two children, she would receive more from the state in in state compensation. And I was more shocked. I couldn't believe that it wasn't clear to her that when she had, uh, that two children were going to cost her much more than the compensation she was receiving. Uh, It was a new concept to her and uh, something she hadn't really thought through. So I was irrationally irritated with her, and I have to admit with other welfare patients who came to our brand new state-of-the-art birthing suites, uh, instead of going to the county hospital, where I felt it was set up 
uh, to meet more of their needs um, than, than us trying to do that. Um, very, very judgmental. Um, I just, when I, again, when I think back on it, I'm, I'm embarrassed to think that was truly the way I thought about it. Um, many of us were angry. We felt like uh, these welfare patients that would come in seemed to make more requests and have more complaints than the patients who were paying all of their hospital bill uh, did. Um, so believe me, we, the staff, complained bitterly about them, and uh, it was an ongoing challenge that we truly felt that we were perhaps a little more elite form of uh, obstetrics and that we shouldn't have to deal with people who couldn't pay. So years later, um, I was I had gone through a number of uh, physical injuries and I was no longer able to work as a nurse. And um, I was working in career development uh, as one of the things I was doing and several other things I was teaching. And she walked uh, into my office uh, during the time of the welfare to work programs that were happening. And basically that, that system was that after five years of support, individuals who were able to work were expected to find work and get off of assistance. Um, I recognized her immediately and I greeted her warmly, asked her what, why she was there, how she was doing. She told me that she was 28 at that point and she had a total of six children. Um, we talked a lot about those first few pregnancies, and she commented that she wished she had listened to what I had told her at the time. Uh, we sat down. I decided to kind of uh, uh, embrace her and try and help her to be able to get into a work field that would be successful for her. So we worked to find her strengths. Um, her abilities and her interests in work. She thought she would like to be a nursing assistant. So that was what we set her up for. She got into a nursing assistant class and I never saw her again. But I did think about her many, many, many times and especially as the um, welfare to work uh, discussions were going on in public and in the uh, media, she often was the person that came to my mind. So to this day, I sincerely hope that she was able to find a stable economic foundation in her life and um, raise her children. So if I think about the another perspective of economics with medicine, uh, would be a more liberal way of looking at it. And I guess I look at that in terms of uh, a more long-term, uh, big-picture kind of aspect of um how do we make sure that people have health care uh, at the earliest point that they are having health problems so that those problems are taken care of inexpensively and at the earliest point, therefore not getting into uh, chronic health problems like diabetes, um, chronic uh, diseases, um, asthma, different things like that that can only get worse without treatment. And uh, so I felt, I started to feel that it was important that we put money and time and effort uh, and, and teaching uh, into trying to help people who didn't have access easily to healthcare uh, to be able to learn these principles and to be able to be supported when they did come in 
uh, for uh, healthcare early in the process of their disease. So um, many years after I was no longer practicing as a nurse, uh, during the Great Recession, I found myself in great financial difficulty. I owned a large townhome, and I decided to rent the master bedroom and bath. I was charging a significant amount of money for it, and I'd had several adults that had come and, and stayed with me, and it had worked out quite well. I was in a situation in the fall of a year, I don't even remember exactly what year, uh, but I, it was getting closer and closer to winter, and I wasn't finding anybody to take the room. And one day, a 19-year-old answered my ad. She was young, quiet, but very determined. She appeared and sounded responsible to me, and she felt very confident that with the two jobs she was working and the third she was applying for, that she would be able to pay rent and still be able to pay for food and, and clothing, etc., she begged me to give her a chance. I thought at the time this could be a big mistake, but I decided to um, uh, give her a try and um, also back her by mentoring her. So what ended up happening was an eye-opening experience uh, of seeing firsthand the trials of poverty. As I got to know her more, I began to understand that her background had been one of um, very transient uh, home experiences. Uh, her father had worked very strongly um, for a long while uh, and had been able to support the family and, and they had a fair amount of stability at that time. However, he was injured at work and uh, was paid off uh, a settlement but um, uh, then was not able to do the work he had been doing previously and finances became very, very difficult. And at one point they were actually um, evicted from their home without notice. And it was mainly because her father was afraid to tell the family that he couldn't pay the rent and this was gonna happen. And so he sort of disappeared and she and her siblings and her mother had just one hour to put whatever they could put into pillowcases and leave the, the premises. So she'd had a tough upbringing, didn't have a lot of economic um, uh, training or, or modeling. And uh, so as I started to realize that, I still thought, you know, she should still be okay. She's certainly um, uh, trying to work well. And she was working for a well-known national department store. And I felt, well, they will certainly be very above board with her and I felt that she would be fine. So to make a long, pretty long story shorter, um, she was working part-time, and you can read that to mean under 30 hours a week and no benefits. And even though this was a respected department store chain, they pulled every nasty trick in the book on her despite her efforts to be extremely flexible. She went to work every day on time. Uh, she worked wherever they wanted to her, her to, whether they had trained her in that area or not. Um, she even went to work sick because she couldn't afford not to go to work. She had to ride a bus two hours round trip, which, uh, and then was not notified when she was not needed for a shift. She would get to the um, uh, department store and they would say, oh, we don't really need you today. And she was 
required to turn around and ride back another hour home, having paid for that transportation, but they never compensated her for her time or her transportation. Uh, She didn't know that that was something she could ask for. She was asked and eagerly agreed to working uh, an extra shift when, uh, during that year when Black Friday was starting at midnight in all of the stores and all the stores were competing for uh, people's during the night uh, purchases. And so that was from uh, 12 midnight to 8 a.m. However, they had her sign a paper saying that she would not take overtime pay despite the fact that it was overtime for her in that day. And then they refused to write her a check for it, saying that she had punched in on the wrong time clock. It took nearly two months, and my strong suggestion that she tell them that she would be going to the attorney general about it if they did not pay. They issued a check for her that day. Uh, during the orientation that she and the other 100 new employees, were, uh, they were promised a six-month review with a potential pay raise. Um, She, um, when at at about seven months, she started asking when that was going to happen. They delayed and delayed, and then they finally told her that they didn't always do the six-month review. Um, However, they had been told in orientation that that was a right that they had. She never did get that review until at one year when she insisted on it. The pay raise was 25 cents after a year. And what she realized is she was the only employee from that original orientation group that was left working at the store. Uh, The rest had all left due to similar similar ill treatment. And it just went on and on. And having worked in human resources, I was amazed and aghast that um, this was something that was still happening. So um, what really tipped over her economic cliff however, happened when eventually she got very sick and was not on medical assistance due to the fact that she was earning slightly too much money. So she went to work until she couldn't get out of bed. Her bladder infection was so bad. I took her to the emergency room where she was charged a large bill for the use of the emergency room and for basically antibiotics and the information that she would probably have chronic problems due to the severity of the untreated infection. Because the infection had gotten so bad, it took weeks of medical care with no income due to being so sick and no insurance. She found herself in what looked like an impossible debt. Uh, This put her back on state assistance and medical care, and again, kind of what I had always thought of as a burden to the taxpayers, Uh, And not at all what she had dreamed of for herself. Uh, She saw herself rising out of the poverty that she had grown up in. So I saw firsthand the ways that employers keep certain employees from getting and keeping a living wage with benefits, uh, using their economic ignorance to prevent paying even money that they owe that employee. I can't even tell you how shocked I was. I guess I was pretty naive. Um, I thought that we lived in a country where uh, people respected that if you were willing to work, that you deserve to be paid um, what you were worth. So uh, I, I, I'd have to say that my perception of the need for universal health care in this country changed dramatically at that time. 
Um, it, in this day and age, this is even you know beyond years beyond when this situation actually happened. I find that we are in a situation that uh, the country and the in this particular administration seems to be looking at withdrawing almost every area and avenue of support uh, for people who are living in poverty. I, I can't even imagine how this is going to work uh, when uh, and what will happen to these people when there are fewer regulations on big employers. Uh, Medicaid is potentially withdrawn along with food assistance and other lifelines for people stuck in that cycle of poverty. Um, so that's terrifying to me and the realization that I also could, you know, with a very bad uh, um, illness or injury could be right in that situation myself. So I know for sure that these people, these poverty-stricken people are not going to disappear and they will become a greater unintentional drain on taxpayers if we pull away those things that allow them and help them to stay healthy um, for a longer period of time. So we are reaching the end of this um, particular segment and I do feel that each of you out there probably have some very strong thoughts and opinions about this particular um, uh, economic situation in our country. And I have to believe that this happens in other countries too. So I'm hoping that perhaps even talking about this in this way will help people to change perception. Um, even a little, even to the point of at least dialoguing with other people to find out what is the best way to support our um, uh, our citizenry and to make sure that more people are able to rise out of poverty into being able to support themselves and to have their own health insurance. So I'd like to end um, this with a quote that I saw on a show called On Being. It's a radio program. And on their website yesterday, I saw this quote. It said, uh, to recognize the limitations of our own perspectives is noble. To admire and take delight in other world views and political leanings that come into contrast with our own, well, that's transcendent. Can we truly stretch ourselves to not only understand others, we don't agree with, but also find value in those perspectives and see our own frailties and weaknesses. This was by Trent Gillis from On Being. Thank you for listening to our program again. Um, I truly appreciate your support and encouragement to other friends, family, relatives, co-workers. Um, and I hope that uh, if you know people who would like to uh, uh, be a sponsor for this program, I would love to hear from them. So feel free to contact me at leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Thank you, and I will talk with you next week on Monday. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.